0: Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on where you're on the world. This is Augie of the Blago Blubber podcast. I'd like to welcome everyone to yet another show. Um, A little bit of everything planned for today as well. We'll talk a little Mudrik, uh, North London Derby, where Arsenal are currently, maybe a bit of Tom Brady, LeBron, things like that. So I wanted to start off with uh, Mikhailo Mudrik, uh joining Chelsea. So, for months now, we've been hearing about Mudrik to Arsenal and it looked like the deal had uh, been all but completed, signed. And then the Chelsea hierarchy, if you will, went over to Poland uh, to talk contract and they ended up getting the deal um, over Arsenal. So 70 million euros plus 30 million in bonuses and a contract until 2030. So seven years, seven-year contract. So the 70 million, that's a large figure for a guy coming from the Ukrainian league, right? 22 years old, coming from the Ukrainian league. not one of the best leagues by any stretch of the imagination in Europe. Probably somewhere around, I think, 14th or 15th ranked league in in. In Europe alone so he's coming from an not the best league so to say um 70 million euros is a lot to spend like when you consider where where they where the bidding so to say started this started around like 35 40 million and it got up to 70 and that 30 million I believe is if Chelsea win the Champions League or if they win the Premier League we'll see if that happens and if they do do And if they do win either one of those, I mean, paying 30 might not even look like that much. But, I mean, it's a huge, huge uh, add-on in bonuses. It's a lot of money. Chelsea's been splashing the cash since Bully took over um, for Abramovich. And from what we've heard is that the wages were doubled from Chelsea versus Arsenal. So, I think he was supposed to get uh, 50000 per week from Arsenal and then he ended up getting a hundred K from Chelsea. Uh, in terms of the transfer, I'm not very bitter at all. Even at 40, 50 million, I was saying that's a little bit too much again, from a guy coming from an not the greatest league, so to say, I thought it was a lot of money to give up. Um, and the price tag was just too high. Uh, Showed that he wanted to come Arsenal. But it didn't really pan out. Like uh, when you listen or what you read on the internet. His teammates all but had him going to Arsenal. And he was supposed to start the match against Manchester United. Which is this week. You know the players were jokingly saying that. Which obviously isn't going to happen now. But um, the the team Arsenal just has a a price tag that they were willing to meet. And they weren't willing to go above and beyond that. Here's the thing with that. At some point, if you want to be a serious team, a serious contender for Champions League or the Premier League, you're going to need to get rid of that. We're only going up to this certain price and we're only going to offer you this as the max wage. Like You're going to have to get rid of that stuff and you're going to have to overpay for players at some point. Now, I think giving up 72 million for nico pepe and then not working out i think that's where maybe the the club kind of shied away from paying this much money for mudrick and that's understandable because the 72 million is a lot of money and looks like you're going to get nothing out of it right he's playing very good for nice but i just don't think that he's he's cut out for the premier league i think he's a great league on player but he just never got it going at arsenal he showed flashes but that's all that he showed right He'd have one good game and then five where he either didn't feature or he came on and did much of nothing. So, you know, you bit the bullet on that one. And now you're, you don't want to pay the necessary price for for Mudrik. And I have no issues with that since we're still kind of in that. Even though we are first currently, I don't think, I don't think we're, not that we don't believe in ourselves, but we're still not willing to go above and beyond and pay 110, 120 million for euros for players or pounds, whatever. And I think that's fine. But at some point, you're going to have to get rid of that policy and you're going to have to take a big swing. And if you take a look at some of the biggest transfers in Premier League history, out of the top 10, I think seven or eight just haven't worked out. And there's a couple of them that we're still kind of waiting on. Like like Wesley Fofana to Chelsea, like, he hasn't played much at all, right? Like It's not fair for us to say that he hasn't worked out when he's played a handful of games so transfers like that we're gonna have to wait for And Anthony from from Manchester United it's only he's only been there for four or five months right it's not fair for us to say he hasn't worked out or whatever the case may be It depends on where you stand on Anthony right there's some people who probably think he's already doing more than what they thought and then there's obviously some people who are going to say that he hasn't really lived up to the hype but it's we can't judge guys after four or five months of being there and for Pepe, it's a different story, right? He's been there he's been here for two or three years. So like I said, it, it's fine that the team has this policy that they don't want to pay, but I think if you're if if players are gonna take you seriously, you're gonna to have to get rid of that sooner or later. Um Arsenal needs to move quickly on from from this point. And I said it right away, I tweeted it out, as soon as we didn't get Mudrik, we need to move on as fast as possible and identify other targets. You have to have a plan B, C, D, E, F, G. Like you can't just have a plan A and, and think that you're going to think that you're going to sign that one player. And we've learned this in the past. Every team has learned from this in the past where it looked like everything was all but done. And then another team swoops in and signs the players that you've been targeting for six months to a year, right? Happens all the time. In football happens all the time in other sports as well. Basketball, hockey, baseball, whatever the case may be. Uh, important. It's important to identify new targets, right? So Wilfred Zaha is a player who's been mentioned with Arsenal for probably three or four years now uh his contract expires in the summer now do you do you pay for him right now and that way you're guaranteed to get him this transfer window or do you wait for the summer where you're going to have to battle off other teams right because he's going to be a free agent he's going to pick where he wants to go do you want to wait for the summer but if you wait for the summer then you probably have a lot of confidence in yourself that you that you'd be able to uh, beat off other teams for the signing of Wilfred Zaha for example in in this instance right so there, there's teams that are gonna always battle you for signings um Dressard's contract is done in June of 2024 there's been some talks that he's done with Brighton um the said he's willing to take the player back and he didn't like his attitude and training from what I've read is he a target now but you got to move quickly right and you're gonna to have to pay a little bit of money for Troussard. You're probably gonna to have to pay <clears throat> 25 to 35 million. Uh James Madison is still available. Is he still available, right? We've heard Newcastle being interested in him. He's been linked with Arsenal off and on for about a year and a half, I would say. So is it worth getting James Madison? I personally like James Madison. I wouldn't mind him at all at Arsenal. But again, you're gonna to have to pay probably 40 50 million for James Madison and the club still needs a striker, center forward, whatever you want to call it, and a cent, uh, central midfielder along with a winger. So any Kedia has he can't play every single match, right? At some point and there's literally no backup. There's no third string striker on this team, right? So he's going to have to play play the majority of the minutes. And he, I think he's been okay. I think people are People are going crazy over how good he's been. I think he's been an okay. He scored some goals and there's some that he should have scored, especially in North London Derby, right? He had two sitters that he should have scored. So it's stuff like that, that, that could come back to haunt you. Those misses, and that's been the story with Eddie in his Arsenal career, right? The misses. And then a central midfielder, like, we're banking on Granite Xhaka and uh, Thomas Partey to stay injury-free until the end of the season, knock on wood. Hopefully they do, but if either of them get in trouble or get get injured, we're in trouble. Which would then probably, if we don't sign anyone, which that would probably mean uh, getting Zinchenko to come into that central midfield position and having tyranny at left back. And I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of that. And that's why you need to go out and, and splash some cash and bring in someone who could come in as a, as a central midfielder. Now, there are talks about Declan Rice in the summer we'll see what happens with that. I would love Declan Rice at the, on the team, but as of right now it doesn't look like that transfer is going to happen this winter. And until then, you either need to bring someone on loan or something you have to do something. I'm just not with the with the amount of minutes that Partey and Jaka play, I don't know if they could stay healthy until the end of the season. Again, knock on what they do, but I'm just not I'm not um not too sold on it. And the winger position right like maybe it'll be a little bit easier when reese nelson comes back but you're going to need someone in, in that position as well and the last thing i'll say is don't save business for the final two three days of the winter transfer window teams always do that because they're trying to work a deal and they're trying to penny pinch and all this other stuff you can't do that you have to get in signings in the perfect world, if you can sign two guys in the first five or six days, which is very unlikely, I think that's the best business that you can do. If not in the first 20 days of the transfer window, you have to finish all your work. Because you're leaving in last down to the last four or five days. I don't like that. You've kind of had a month. You've had more than a month because these guys on the board are talking to other teams throughout the entire season, right? Like it's in September, October, they're talking about they're talking to other teams about signing or loaning players for, for the January transfer window, right? Guys, don't, management doesn't talk, start talking to teams in just January. And we always seem to do business, on save business for the last two or three days, and we can't do that. We have to uh, move like a big club. Uh, North London Derby. Um, Spurs completely outworked, dominating in the first half. The first goal was completely on Hugo Lloris, and he's given up two really bad goals against Arsenal this season, at the Emirates, and now this one. To where you have to you have to catch that ball, that's whipped in by Bukayo Saka. You are a professional goalkeeper, you have to catch that ball, and I think his his time could be coming to an end at Tottenham very soon. He's retired from the national team, although he's a lot better for France. I be, I, I I think. Uh, the second order guard goal was amazing. They just Spurs just gave him way too much space, and he's just been on a tear this season. Thirty-five million, I think Arsenal paid for him. He's been one of the best, if not the best, players in the Premier League. And when you take a look at Norway, they have him and they have that other guy who plays for Manchester City up top. Although he's cooled down a little bit, if they can, if Norway can kind of figure out. The rest of their team, which they don't need too much, too many other things, they can be very scary going forward. Because you're going to have these guys for another 10 years. Right? Odegaard is like, what, 24? 23, 24? You have Erling Holland, who's 21, 22. Literally another 10, 15 years you can have these guys for. Especially Holland because he plays a striker, he could probably play a lot longer. Knock on wood, hopefully they both stay... Uh, injury-free. Norway has a really good chance of doing some really big things in the near future. Um, Spurs showed life in the second half, but Ramsdale was just outstanding. I think he made two, probably three or four really big stops in that match and deserved to sell one man of the match, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Spurs now 14 points behind Arsenal and Arsenal still has a game in hand. So it's been that type of season. Uh, Spurs fans can't say that they didn't get signings in. You got Peresic, you got Kulusevski. I know Diedz Spence hasn't played a lot. You still have Kane and Son who were very quiet, especially Son, in this match. I think Spurs could be up against it if they don't make the Champions League for next season. Because trophy list for... for, I guess, Kane the last... I don't know, how old was he when he first started playing for Spurs regular minutes? Like 20, 21, so close to 10 years. That's a long time to go trophyless when you're one of the better strikers in the world. And teams are going to be after him. Like Bayern Munich was already one of the teams that was interested in in him. Uh, I know Real Madrid has that so-called policy that they don't buy players over 30, but I think they would take someone like Kane, especially if Benzema decides to leave or go back to Leon or whatever the case may be, I think that they would look at Kane. He could still have another, depends on when he, like, I mean, if he, if he were to go to Real Madrid, he would have another three, four years. Let's say he leaves this summer, he would have another three, four, three to five years of really good football in him. And that would, I think, cause Son to leave as well and a complete restructure in Tottenham. So, yeah. Uh, great result for Arsenal. Eight points ahead of Manchester City. I think this is... A lot of Arsenal fans, including myself, we didn't see this coming, right? Like, this is complete. And I still say to this day, even though we're first, just get into the top four. Newcastle has been outstanding this season. Manchester United has gotten their act together since getting rid of Ronaldo. Manchester City is still there. You can't sleep on them. Although, this is a different City team. Like, ever since this World Cup, has ended they've been they've just been different is it i'm try, like i was trying to look at the roster and see what the, the issues are and is it guys just a lot of them play for big national teams like you know the belgiums and portugals is it is it their national teams underachieving and they've kind of come in with their heads held low like is that what it is I really don't know. I can't pinpoint it. This is the same team that they've had for the entire season. Is it a lot of players who are currently in their prime, kind of exiting their prime, and and, and they're heading towards that little fall, like Gundogan and and maybe De Bruyne and Mares and some of these other guys. João Cancelo, who doesn't even start with the team anymore. Kyle Walker, who's... Getting up there in age, like is is that what it is? Because this team is completely different. And and we saw that if you watch the Manchester Derby, right? Like it's a it's a completely different team. Holland isn't scoring at the at the pace that he was earlier in the season, and they have Tottenham, right? I think tomorrow they play. So I don't know what it is with this team, but they're they're headed for like this Tottenham match is huge. They have to win that. And hope that Arsenal loses to Manchester United. So two very important games. And it's important for Spurs as well, right? Like Spurs, if they have any chance of getting top four, they're gonna have to they're gonna have to get points from this Manchester United uh city game. And Manchester United are rolling, they're gonna have to get these points against Arsenal to challenge them for second, right? Like there's a lot of, to challenge them for first, sorry. Like there's a lot of things going on in, in a league where we thought it was Manchester City above everyone else and then Liverpool was kind of in that second position. I didn't think Liverpool were going to be that good this season, but I didn't think they're going to be this poor. So, you know, we kind of look at Newcastle, Arsenal and Manchester United as the teams that are challenging them. And it's been it's been a very good season, I got to admit. And I'm not just saying that cuz I'm Arsenal supporter, but I mean, you had three teams who a lot of people didn't think would challenge this early challenging Manchester City and almost dethroning them as of right now but anyways next topic will Tom Brady retire so the loss to the Cowboys was rough and to be fair they weren't they weren't even good that this season they were just fortunate to play in a really bad division where there feels like three teams are rebuilding and they finished with an 8 nine record under 500. Um, I can't see him going out like this and retiring after this start against the Cowboys, but who's to say it's going to get any better for him, right? Here's the thing. A lot of people say like, you know, Brady is, is on the decline, but it hits a lot harder when you're a lot older. Like the decline is a lot faster when you get older. Guys might start declining when they're 30, 31, and it's, it's kind of like a slow decline, right? Like they lose a little bit of speed. Maybe they don't catch as many balls as they were the previous year. And then their targets go down, and then their speed kind of goes, and then they start getting injured. And then and then this happens all throughout like a maybe three, four-year span. But Tom Brady is what, like 45? What if this just hits him at once, and he's just not the same quarterback anymore? Like for for him, I don't think his decline is going to be slow. I think it's going to be fast. Again, he's older, right? So it's going to be a lot faster. So I don't know. I don't know if I'm a team, if I would take a chance on him for for just one year. Like this is with Tom Brady, it's pretty much year to year right now, right? Like he might play next season and just not come back the following season for 2024, right? We don't know that. So I think that's the that's the interesting part about this, and like, how do you look at this if you're a team? If I'm Miami, I don't know if I take a chance on him. I mean, I have that great receiving core. I I understand the issues with Tua and and the concussions and things like that. But I would go for a quarterback that's maybe that I can count on being there for longer than a year. So someone like a, like a Car or something. What if they could get a Rodgers? I'd be looking at guys like that. But for Tom Brady, I don't know. I would I would have I'd be shy. I'd be shying away from signing him. And he just really doesn't want to be hit. Like that interception that he threw in in the end zone. Like he just threw the ball and kind of ducked, right? Like, and he plays the most, he plays the most important position. You can't be afraid to get hit. And it's really starting to come to a head for him very quickly. Like I said, like very fast, he's quickly, he's, you know, hit the decline. And that's what happens when you get that old, right? And Raiders is just another team that keeps coming up. So a really good running back if they can re-sign Jacobs. The receiving core, I've talked about this in my last episode. Like you got Waller who missed some time Renfro. You got Devontae Adams who's one of the five best receivers in the league. The defense is going to need some work. McDaniels he's familiar with. Like they're a team that just keeps coming up, right? That people keep talking about as a possible destination for him. Like, would that work then, right? And personally, me, I think you should retire. You've won everything so many times. Seven Super Bowls. You're 45 years old. You've accomplished more than some players would accomplish in two careers. Right? Like it. Your kids are coming to that age where they like need you as a father, right? Like they want to spend time with you. So I think for him, he should retire. And I don't think he is. Like I said, I, I just can't see him going out like this. I think he's super competitive. And he's going to want to get revenge for whatever happened this season. Where he goes, I don't know. But I fully expect him to be back next season. The last topic. Um, I just wanted to touch on a little bit of LeBron James and the MVP race. Um, If the Lakers can get into a playoff position, I think that he can win the MVP. Jokic won it last year with his team finishing sixth, I think. Why couldn't LeBron win it? this year if his team finishes fifth or sixth I don't think there's any reason and I know we always say things like age shouldn't be a part of the equation when picking MVP age is going to be in the equation when picking an MVP if if the Lakers can get into top five top six spot he's averaging two and a half points more this season than he has in his career he's averaging almost a rebound more assists are a little bit down Field goal percentage is up. Threes are down. Free throw percentage is up. Field goal efficiency is up. The purr is actually down. So, win Shares is actually down a lot by as well. But, I mean, he's in his 38th year, he's doing very well for himself. And there's a lot of games that could have gone the Lakers way. And they could be even better than what their current record is states, right? They're, I think, I think they're, what, um, four games below 500. They could be probably 500 if they won some of those games. And he's still playing a a lot of minutes, right? 36.2. It's a lot of minutes to rack up. And he's approaching the record, right? Most points scored. So there you go. There's a lot of reasons to um, kind of have him in that MVP race. 38 and seven this season. And if AD, if they can get AD back in the next two or three weeks, I think that would work well for this team. Um, a lot of people keep saying trades, trades, trades. Uh, the only guy that you can probably trade off this roster and get something back is Russell Westbrook. But then you lose something a little bit off the bench, right? You lose his bench play, which has been pretty good. Some of his decision-making, like in down the stretch in the clutch, has been terrible. Like that game against Philly, I didn't like what he did there. Um, turnovers obviously are always going to be an issue with a guy who handles the ball so much. That's the case for any player. Um, but yeah, he's pretty much the only player that you can trade off this roster and get something back for. Earlier in the season I would have said trade Anthony Davis. Just because he was injury prone, he wasn't playing that well, but you know, the stretch that he had before he got injured, he was like twenty eight and twelve or thirteen. He was excellent. But that's the AD that you need throughout the entire season. You can't have flashes of that. And if they were to trade Russell Westbrook, obviously they would need back some shooting, which is what they're lacking. Although I I think they've been better the last ten games or so. So this team... And and the West is kind of all over the place. Like Phoenix is, is struggling now with Chris Paul and, and Booker out for for a while. And the only two really good teams that we have in the West are the Denver Nuggets and um, the Memphis Grizzlies, right? Everyone else is kind of up and down. <clears throat> Pelicans are still really good uh, to be completely... Fair with you, they're missing B.I. for a lot of the season. They got Zion out, but they're still hanging in there at 26-18. and 18. Kings have been a pleasant surprise this season. Mavericks are still up there. Warriors are up and down. Clippers are up and down. They need, to, they need to really get more out of their star players, the Clippers. Jazz are starting to fall a little bit. T-Wolves are all over the place. Thunder is pretty good. Trailblazers are struggling again, and... Yeah, so the West is completely open. Completely open. I mean, the Lakers are 11 points behind first, and 6th, which is the Warriors, are 9 points. Are 9 games behind first, so... 2-point... 2-game differential between 6th and 13th. And the Warriors are going to need to get it going soon, too, right? They got Steph back now, so hopefully they could get some things done as well. But, yeah, LeBron, if, if... the Lakers could get into that fifth or sixth position. I think LeBron can garner some can garner some uh attention as as a sleeper MVP. One hundred percent. And we saw that last year with with um Jokic winning in it I think his team finished sixth. So there's no reason why LeBron can't get any votes. And you just have guys like Tatum and I think Jokic is probably the leader right now for M V P again. Is just masterful this season. So Tatum, Luca, and all these guys. Um, Giannis has missed some games, so I don't know if you can have him. I I would still have him in MVP race. I don't think he's missed that many games. to we can kind of throw him out of the MVP race. But yeah, there's a lot of guys who are who are vying for that MVP trophy, and I think it's wide open this season. And we're still kind of early, so to say, like we're still in in mid January. So by mid February, early March, we'll have a better idea of what the MVP race looks like. So that's the episode for today, guys. Thank you for listening. As always, I do appreciate it. Um remember you can find this podcast on Anchor FM, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, or wherever else you listen to your podcast So until next time, take care and we'll catch up down the road.